by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, good morning. So nice to see some new faces and some, some uh, old faces that we hadn't seen in a while. Thank you for coming today. God's presence is in this place, and he's here to change you today. If you will give him your attention, open the eyes, he will open the eyes of your understanding that you may know what is the hope of your calling in this life. If you will just ask him to help you open your spiritual ears, he won't just speak natural words to you today. He will speak, he said, the words I speak are their spirit and their truth. And it'll cut right through. The truth just cuts right through. And, and God will show you things today that will change your life forever. One of the things I think he would say to you right now is, I love you. I know he would say that. And I believe he would say, I'm not mad at you. My wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross for you. The sin debt has been paid. And he would say, I have a plan for your life. And for some of us, we think, well, I've got a plan for my life. Well, you could go ahead with that, but it, it won't be near as good as God's plan for your life. You know why? Because he's your creator. He knows the gifts and the abilities and the talents that he gave you, and he knows what they're there for. He knows what they're there for. And if you will walk with him, that's what we've been talking about in this, this, this is the third part of a series for those of you who are, who are joining with us today. You can go back and look at our tapes and stuff to see where, how we got here. But we're talking about the journey of Abram, and how he was later called Abraham as we know him. He's called the father of the faith. And we're in a series called Faith Forward. I don't know where we got that, but we, if we're going to fail, if we're going to fall, we just want to keep falling forward. We want to keep getting back up and getting into the race. And so we're going to faith forward in everything we do. How many of you knows that there's uh, some obstacles out there? That there's a devil out there. He doesn't want you to even be here today. He doesn't want you to hear that there's a plan for your life. He wants you to go on with your plan. He wants to disrupt everything that God wants to do for you. Anyway, Father, we just thank you that today will be a very, it already is a very special day to be in your presence here right now, to be able to say we just love you publicly, together, as a church, as a people, come together and be able to say we love you and there's none like you. No one can touch our heart like you do. Just to acknowledge your greatness, your beauty, your power, your awesomeness. Father, I, I yield myself to you as your simple messenger today with the words that you speak. Let them be the oracles from heaven, from your throne today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, my wife Angie, she's working in a nursery. 
And uh, before we were married, we, we dated for three years. And for some of us, that's a long, that's a long time to date, isn't it? Uh, I wasn't saved at the time, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, I knew I liked that girl, Angie, and uh, I liked her a lot. So we dated for three years, and after three years, you know, her parents were beginning to look at me like, boy, you ever going to pop the question? <laughs> and, and my parents were looking at me like, boy, you ever going to pop the question? I think Angie was kind of looking at me like, boy, you ever going to pop the question? It was, it was to the point, you know what I'm saying? It was a, there was beginning to be a lot of pressure on me to take it to the next level. I said, I got to do something. <laughs> well, it was her birthday coming up. And I told her I was going to take her to a fine, nice restaurant that she needed to get dressed up and everything. And I mean, you could just tell the excitement. I just could hear the phone calls in the background. He's taking me out to eat for my birth. This is going to be it. I, I bet the Las Vegas odds makers had it 50, yeah, 100%, 100%. He, it's, this, this is it. He's popping the question. So I got there, and we were all dressed up, and we ate a nice meal. And every time I'd go to say something, you could just see her eyes get big, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but we ate, and then we, we ate dessert. And then she's still sitting there. I said, well, let's go. She's like, what the world? And we got up and tipped and went out to the truck. And, I, and it, was a, it was a car, I think, at the time, and it was in the trunk. And I said, well, hold on, I want to give you your birthday present. Her eyes got big again. <laughs> went back there to the trunk, and I popped it open, and there was this big old box about this big, yay big, with a big old ribbon on it and everything. And for a minute, she was like, but then... You can see the wheels start spinning. That's one of those big box to little box things. She's, she had it figured out. And I said, well, go ahead. I got it out of the trunk. And, I said, and she, she hit that thing like Shamu hitting a, a bucket of fried penguin. I'm and she was throwing paper everywhere. And sure enough, inside that first box was another box. But the problem was on the outside of that box, it said ladies golf clubs. So she opened that next box, and sure enough, it was ladies' golf clubs. And I said, Angie, I know you don't play golf, but I do, and I thought maybe we could start playing golf together. How many knows it was a quiet ride home that night? <laughs> Why do I tell you this story? I don't know. But I'll tell you the rest of it later. And how I think it pertains to this message today. Now, last uh, sermon, at the very end of it, Jason, there sitting on the end there, he had a word for us about Noah. And we were talking about the life of faith and how important it is, talking about Abraham. We're learning what we can learn about the journey of faith. And he said, I, I want to bring up a, a point that if it weren't for Noah's faith, we wouldn't even be here. And I said, that's good. You know, one man, you think my faith doesn't matter. One man. And, and the man that we're studying, Abraham, if it wasn't for his faith, Jesus wouldn't have been able to come into the earth. And I'll show you that later as we go on with this series. So faith is important. Then I think about, of course, Jesus. Where would we be without that one man's faith? To rise from the dead. Well, 
You say, my faith, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like Abraham or I'm not Noah. Or I, how you know? How you know? You don't know what God could do with your faith if you'd give it to him. The possibilities are wide open. You may save the whole planet. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, you, you, you could certainly have a major influence on your children and your children's children and the lineage that comes after you if Jesus tarries. I know your faith is important to them. Many of you are right here in here today. If it wasn't for your faith in Jesus Christ, many of the people in your family would be lost and on their way to hell right now, but they're not. Because of your witness, because of your faithfulness to proclaim Jesus Christ in your life. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 12. That's really where the story of Abraham begins. I'm just going to read a foundational verse to get started. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. We talked about that the, the town he was living in at the time was called Haran. And in the Greek, the, the name Haran means crossroads. Abram had come to a crossroads in his life. Like many of you had to do. You got to a crossroads. You said, am I following God or am I going to continue to follow my plan? Am I walking the journey of faith or am I walking the journey of walk by sight? He said, but if you'll follow me, basically, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Once again, through one man's faith, we're sitting here blessed today. So, just a, a, a short recap for those who hadn't been here the first two services. Uh, at 75 years old, Abram came to that crossroad. God called him, said, come to this land, I will show you. He chose God. So, you know, age is not an issue here. There's probably no one in here much older than 75. And that's when Abram decided to follow God. We talked about how he made mistakes and missteps. And that if Abram wouldn't have learned the character of God right off the bat. A lot of times, those who don't know Jesus but try to follow him, and they, don't, they don't learn his character. They don't give themselves time. Their own mistakes and missteps will cause them to get under condemnation and just quit. It's like the seed sown, you know, in the, in the shallow soil, and it springs up for a moment all excited, but as soon as the, the heat of the sun comes, they wilt away and they fall away. But you have to learn that God is for you. Through all of this, through your mistakes, God is for you. He's not against you. He knows you're going to make mistakes. Give yourself a break. Somebody, would you please memorize 1 John 1.9 that says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Enough said. So you're going to make mistakes, not that we want to, not that we should, but when we do, get it under the blood of Jesus and get back up. And so we learned 
that uh, he had to separate from Lot because God had told him to separate from his family, but he brought Lot, his nephew, along on the journey. And uh, you're going to have to separate from those who are not wanting to live the life that you want to live. If you get on the bus with people going to Detroit, you're not going to make it to Nashville, right? I always say that, but it's so true. You've got to know where you want to go, and you've got to get, get on the bus with people wanting to go there too because people will influence you one way or another. Uh, Lot decided to go to Sodom. He chose to live in the wicked towns of Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, it vexed his soul. It ended up costing him his wife and his children. and Basically, his life was never what it was intended to be because he chose to live amongst the wicked. Um, some kings, I said last week it was five kings that came against Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I correct myself, it was only four. Um, and they took Lot hostage. And we talked about how Abram went and saved Lot. He only had 300 men. He's going against four kingdoms. But courage rises up in the heart of a man walking with God. And, and in that courage, you begin to know that you and God are going to win. If God be for me, who can be against me? Nobody. And so he did the miraculous, you know, and he brought back the spoils and brought back all the people. He gave a tithe. We talked about that to a priest called Melchizedek. We won't get into all that. But... You know, with your finances, trusting God, that's a sign of faith. Um, he gets to a place in his journey with God where he's able to tell God how he really feels. And he says, God, I'm glad you're blessing me and everything, but what good does it do for me to have all this blessing if I have no one to pass it on to? You see, Abram and Sarai were barren and had no children, and they were old at this point. So he had no lineage to pass his blessing on to. And God had been promising him, you know. And so God said, Abram, just go outside your tent and look up at the sky. And he looked up and God gave him the stars. He said, you see all those stars? He said, there'll be more of your descendants than you can count those stars. And he's painting a picture in the heart of Abraham. Do you know that that's what God is trying to do in your heart? If you will let him. He wants to paint a picture of this plan that he has for your life. Because if you can see it, you can be it. And so that's pretty much where we left off. That Abram develops enough faith to ask God. You know, a lot of people won't even ask God for what they want. They think they're not worthy to ask God or that my stuff isn't important. That's not true. Our God's not some little bitty God that only can give you a moment of time every third Sunday or something. Our God is a everywhere God, all the time, all powerful, all knowing, and he wants to spend every moment of your life with you. That is his desire to walk with you and to talk with you, for you to share your deepest innermost thoughts because he knows them anyway. But he wants to commune with you. All right, so we'll get started today. We got about like 5 points and uh the next thing we see, that after Abram looks out and sees the stars, God says, I tell you what, we're just going to settle this right now, basically. He said, we're going to cut a blood covenant. Now, back in the day, a blood covenant was meant that if I don't uphold my end of the covenant, you can take my life. 
I mean, I'm putting my life on the line. You're putting your life. We, but we got to be together on this. We're both willing to spill our life blood to honor this covenant. It's not like a contract where you can get a lawyer and get out of it. But God wanted to cut a blood covenant. And he tells Abram to go get a three-year-old heifer, go get a three-year-old ram, some other animals and some birds, cut them down the middle and lay them open and let that blood run down the middle. And we're going to walk through. That was a sign that they used to use. They would walk through the blood together to make this agreement that was established in the blood. Makes me think of the blood of Jesus. and this, The covenant in which we stand now makes me kind of excited because we know that God's not going back on his blood covenant. Mm. So, Abram does what God says. He provides the sacrifice. He cuts them open. The blood's there, and Abram is waiting, and he's thinking God's going to come down, and they're going to walk together through this blood. But the afternoon wears on. God hadn't showed up, and vultures begin to come and try to take away the meat. So Abram shoes away the vultures. And just as it begins to get dark, God does something strange. He puts Abram in a deep sleep. I guess because if, and he begins to speak to him in a vision. He shows him a vision. I guess if he would have shown, if he, God would have showed up in, in real life, his glory would have overwhelmed Abram. But maybe he could handle it in a vision. And in a vision, God comes down in the midst of his, Abram's sleep, and he walks through the blood. There's a smoking fire pot and a lantern, and he walks through the blood. And Abram doesn't walk through the blood, which is kind of strange. But I believe it's because God knew that we're apt to break covenant. God knew that we're, no matter what we mean, the tensions of our heart one moment, the next day we could be thinking something else, right? And so God said, I'm going to cut this covenant with myself so that there's no way out of this you see what I'm saying in fact it says in Hebrews 6 verse 13 for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself you see men have to have the testimony of two or three witnesses for their testimony to be valid in the Old Testament but God said because he could swear by no greater that is impossible for God to lie. He swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after, he had, after Abram had patiently endured, say patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What was Abram's part of the covenant? Well, he provided the sacrifice, and he shooed away the vultures. And he patiently endured. So I got some questions. Each point I make in this series, I've been asking you some personal questions. So get ready. I got two on this point. Have you provided God with the living sacrifice he desires? The Bible says... To present your bodies a living sacrifice. You understand that Jesus provided he, himself a sacrifice for you, but he died. 
He was willing to die for you, but he's just asking us to live for him, you understand. Sometimes I think it would be easier just to die. But our part of, of the covenant and the walk of faith is to provide our lives a living sacrifice, to say, I will live for you, God. That is the sacrifice I bring. He doesn't want us to cut up bulls and goats anymore. That's Old Testament. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He took care of all those Old Testament requirements. But today, will you provide a sacrifice of your life to show Jesus that I'm going with you? My journey is with you. Secondly, are you patiently enduring or letting the vultures steal your promises? You know, patience, that's a tough thing. I wouldn't pray for it. <laughs> Make that mistake. No, but endurance is so important in the life of a Christian. Once again, that seed that the farmer sowed, some of it fell among the thorny ground. And, you know, when the cares of this life came, oh, I'm out of here. It didn't produce any fruit. The life, the journey of faith, you must have a heart that is kept as good soul to endure. You see people that they're here today, they're gone tomorrow, they're back again. You see people that do so good, and then someone passes away, and it kind of throws their mind tilt, and they don't understand God's ways. And they give up. But we must patiently endure. This, is, this life is full of trials and temptations. Like I said, there's a devil out there. He come to steal, kill, and destroy we don't know the plan of God for our life exactly. we got to walk it out. Say walk it out. It might be good if God showed you what their plan for your life is, and gave you a long-term vision, but it might be overwhelming to you. And it might be best, and I think Father knows best, <laughs> that you would just walk it out day by day. I was talking to somebody the other day, and Talking about, I was talking to Pastor Sajjad in Pakistan. And we were talking about something, and, and I said, Well, you know, many people believe faith is asking God for what you want and getting it. That's faith. When you have the faith to believe God for something, that, that's good. But I think a deeper level of faith is believing for God and just getting your heart stepped on, ripped out. Someone you love passing, going through something difficult, cancer, all these things that we see in the world that happen to good people. But said us, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. What'd you say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Be the name of the Lord. That, my friends, is faith. You say, but how can you love somebody who would allow these things to go? We, who are we to play God and, and pretend anything? You know, it, this life is 80, 90 years for the older of us. Like we're going to figure the God out? 
But I can promise you what he said is in the end, he's going to make all things new. Every debt will be settled. This life, okay, so, so maybe your life hadn't gone the way you want. You're, you feel destroyed, and, and it's like, I wish I could do it over again. But if you will patiently endure by faith, you will walk with God. In the end, there will be great reward saved up in heaven for you. And heaven is for eternity. What does the, the scripture say? This light affliction is but for a moment. But it works for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. Do you see? Faith must, to endure, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. It says that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Man, don't you think it would have been tempting to call down a legion of angels and get me off of here? But he was looking past the pain. Hmm. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said, talking about the end times, that sin will be rampant everywhere. It feels like we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. How many, your soul just seems vexed. Well, cut off the news. <sighs> really? I mean, I... Maybe cut it on once a week just enough to know what craziness is going on, but stop dwelling on it. Please. Stop swiping your life away. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Because of all this sin, because of all these things we see, it's easy for even the Christian's love to grow cold. Well, I don't like them Democrats. I don't like them Republicans. And, and you just begin to hate on folks like the world. You begin to pick and choose, and everybody's love is tempted to grow cold. But Jesus said, the one who endures, say endures. The one who endures to the end shall be saved. Hmm. There's more I could say about that, but we're going to move on. Number two today. Was that number three? I didn't messed up my numbering system. Okay. Don't feel alone if you're having problems enduring. It's part of growing in your faith. Abram and Sarai, although he saw the stars, he saw the blood covenant that God cut with himself, they still struggled to patiently endure. You, you understand, this, this covenant was cut 11 years after he left Haran. 11 years is a long time. God has promised you something, and it's 11 years later, and you're still sitting around with no child. And so Sarah says, I got this figured out. She get, pulls Abram aside one day, I got this figured out. Maybe God... Uh, wants you to sleep with my beautiful servant girl, Hagar, the Egyptian servant girl. She's young. She can certainly have a child. And you can have a child through her, and we'll claim it for ourselves. And through that child, God will bless the earth. Now, Abram, he's a man. You know? <laughs> he's all too quick to say, okay, <laughs> let's try it. And he does, and Hagar has 
an Ishmael. Say Ishmael. Ishmael. Do you know what an Ishmael is? <laughs> One time, when I first got saved, I guess a year or so in, I had this bass boat with 150 horsepower mercury. <laughs> I love that that thing. Roar! You know, you, just, you get up on top of that water and just like flying across there. I love that boat. And, and I would go fishing. I was into bass fishing. I, you know, I'm newly saved. And, and God knew that, that that thing was like a little idol in my life. He knew I really loved that thing. And sometimes God will ask you to give up something as a token of your obedience. But he did. He asked me to give it up and give the proceeds. He told me to sell it and give it to the church. And boy, at first, it was like, no way, no way, I'm not doing this. But he showed me in his word. He confirmed it different ways, speaking to my heart. And once I knew it was him, I was so in love with Jesus. I've been in love with Jesus for many years now, since, since that time. I mean, I got saved, saved. I don't know, I don't know how people get forgiven and given a new start and, and the, understand the love of Jesus and just live apart from him. I don't know, but I was, I was willing to do it. And so I, I gave the, the proceeds to the church and, and, and I kind of had this understanding in my heart that one day when I got my priorities straight, you know, that he would give me another boat. And a couple years passed and no boat. And one day I'm walking around looking at some garage sales in the neighborhood I lived in. And there was this jankety old about 14 foot aluminum boat. One of my old fashions with a stick steer, you know, you went left or right by a stick steer and you drove from the front. Had some little ugly pedestals in it and rotten carpet and had this old, I can't remember what kind of motor, but he, he assured me that with, you know, a little help it would run. And it needed a little help. But I didn't ask Angie. I didn't consult my wife. I had a few dollars extra that I had saved up. And I was just sure that this was God's plan for for me, and I bought that boat. You know, they say a fisherman's best two days of his life is the day he buys his boat and the day he sells his boat. Boats are a mess, and this one was a particular mess. Every time I would go to the lake, I'd come back, something would be broken, it'd be leaking, not to mention I had to pay big bills to get the motor running in the first place, and it would run half the time. I'd get stuck out on the lake. Finally, I'm like, I, Angie, I'm sorry. You know, I know I shouldn't have bought this boat, this boat was an Ishmael. <laughs> this was me trying to fulfill the promises of God in my own human strength and not allowing God to bless me, but trying to bless myself. And so finally I put that thing on, it wasn't Craigslist back then, or it was probably in the newspaper or something, and some guy said, hey, him and his brother were going to come get it. So I was pulling it down off the grass, and I was going to put it on the driveway because I couldn't wait for that thing to get out of here. I think I paid like $1,100 for it, and I was asking twelve, and I was going to be, yeah, I'm getting my money back, and I'm getting rid of this thing. And so I pulled it down onto the, you know, the thing was pushing me, and I, and I got it on the concrete, and when I went around the back, there was a trail of grease coming out of the foot of that motor. I'm like, you won't even let me sell you. This boat, and then that, that had never happened before, but from, from that part of the yard to here, 
the foot of the motor had cracked open and leaked all the grease out. And the people are on the way to buy it. I was tempted to wipe that up, but I didn't. They got here and I said, man, let me show, before we even get started, let me show you something. I said, when I pulled it out of the yard, this is what happened. He looked at him. He says, will you take this? I said, yes. What will you give me for it? He said, $500. I said, it's yours. He pulled that thing off and I, I felt like I had won the lottery. <laughs> I say all that to say, don't try to make the blessing happen in your own strength. Let God do it. He's much better at blessing us than we are blessing ourselves. Abram and Sarai claimed this Ishmael, that was the name of the kid that they had through Hagar. There was contention between Hagar and, and Sarai, and they kicked Hagar out, and, and the kid grew up, and it was a mess. It was 13 years before they heard from God again. After a flesh failure like that, our, our faith in the flesh delays the promises of God. So I got a question. In what areas of your life are you trusting the flesh more than you're trusting God? Now I know you're smart and you have these gifts and you've discovered some of them and you're, you're using them in your job and you're making this money or you're doing that or you have... Uh, these abilities that people praise you for and everything. But is there somewhere in your life that you're, you haven't turned over to God and you, you trust yourself more than you trust God? Well, you're just delaying the blessings of God in your life. And you're, you're, you're really living for fool's gold instead of real gold. Because the flesh cannot produce what your heart really longs for. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Verse 28. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. He's talking to us. Talking to the church at Galatia. Talking to Christians. We're children of the promise. God made a promise. We're not children of Ishmael. The, the, the works of the flesh. We're children of the spiritual promise of God. Our children of the promise just like Isaac. Isaac is the child that was born to Abram at 100 years old. That was the child that God had told him through this child all the world will be blessed. Abram was 100 years old when this came to pass. His wife Sarai was 90. They had been barren their whole life. And that's why you can imagine Sarai sitting around saying, God promised, but I just don't see a way it's going to happen. We got to make this happen some kind of way. They thought they were helping God by creating the Ishmael, right? And we make mistakes like that. But if God promises, let God fulfill. Because we are children of the promise. And God used this as an example, as you will see. 
But you are now, now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. Okay, I, uh, Ishmael was 13 years old when Sarai finally had the child of promise out of her own womb. At, at 90 years old, she birthed Isaac. Isaac was a little boy. He grew up. Ishmael persecuted him. He was the older brother. He was being mean to him. And if you go back, many people think Ishmael was the uh, origin, origins of the Arabs, which are still persecuting the Jews to this day, right? Okay, so he persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of a slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. God had said, your promises, your, your ability is not the way it's going to, it's not the way, it's not what I desire. It's my spiritual promises. You believe. It's by faith. It's not by your works. And so this, he begins to use this as a picture, an illustration of all the religions of the world, pretty much, except a few really weird ones, all believe that you get to the afterlife by being a good person. By the works of the flesh. That it's dependent on you, right? It's dependent on your goodness. And some of you may be sitting here today and say, well, I'm a good person. I feel like I should go to heaven. God don't want you to feel like it. He wants you to know it. But he wants you to know that it's by promise. But it's by the child of faith, Jesus Christ. It's by your faith. And don't let these religious people come in and persecute you saying, oh, you, you're not doing this right, and you're not doing that, you're not going to heaven, and you're going to heaven today, and you're not going to heaven tomorrow, and you've lost your salvation and all these things. Set your heart on Jesus. And by faith, receive your salvation. It's called eternal life. And if you don't endure to the end, then you never had it. So get rid of the slave woman, he says. To, to, and they did. They kicked out Ishmael and his mama, Hagar. So, dear brothers and sisters, now God, don't, don't think God's mean. He promised Ishmael that he would be the leader of 12 tribes and God would bless him. And he did. But God said there's a difference between the promise and the works of the flesh. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but we are children of the Free woman. And we're saved by faith and not by the flesh. All right. You say this is number four. God commands Abram to cut away the flesh in a process called circumcision. Say, ouch. God likes to paint a picture, doesn't he? And he says, look, I want all the males in your house to perform this circumcision as a sign, as a reminder that you are not of the flesh, but of the spirit. You're cutting away the flesh. There's a reason why babies cry when they're circumcised. Because it hurts. <laughs> How many of you know sometimes our flesh wants what it wants? It always wants what it wants. Anytime you tell this flesh, no, it hurts. But I want that ding-dong. I want that cupcake. I want that fourth piece of apple pie. 
The flesh wants what it wants, and when you tell it no, guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to fight back. It's going to hurt. It's going to... But we are not children of the flesh. We are children of the Spirit. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. So we must make a choice. Am I going to follow what this lazy old flesh wants to do? Or am I going to stand in the Spirit and follow Christ? My question on this one is, how has hanging on to the flesh hindered the blessing of God in your life? Now, I don't think anyone, any of us can put a halo on right now and say, oh, I don't have any issues with the flesh. <laughs> we all do. Are you kidding? Some of us got issues in gluttony, eating too much. Some of us got issues about looking at pornography and things that we ought not. Some of us got issues about wanting to spend too much money that we don't have. Some of us just lazy, slothful, watch TV 14 hours a day. But my question, you know what, whatever your fleshly issues are. We all got them. We're all in the same boat together, so to speak. But the question is, is what is that flesh costing you? Is it worth it? What could you be doing in the spirit realm? Following after God instead of that. And what blessing would it bring into your life? We're children of the promise. All right, next point, whatever number it is. God changes Abram's name to Abraham. This is the point where he does it. After he's circumcised, he's cut away the flesh. Cutting away the flesh is a sign that I'm a child of God and I have decided to follow you, Lord. And he says, okay. Well, we're changing your name from Abram to Abraham, and that name means the father of many nations. God keeps planting the promise in our hearts. He keeps giving us pictures of our destiny. And we must see ourselves through God's eyes and through His will. Use our spiritual eyes of faith and not the fleshly eyes of natural sight. Some of you are saying, what does that mean? That means on the inside of you, your soul, who you are on the inside, you have spiritual ears and eyes. And sometimes we don't realize that. We just think, well, I, I just see what I see. And that's stopping so many people from this faith walk. They just, if I can't see it, I won't do it. You say, I got to see it to be it, but I can't see it. Well, you're not looking with the right eyes. You have eyes of your heart. And God is asking you to, to look through those eyes, through God's will for your life, and begin to build the picture in your heart. Because if you can see it, you can be it. Do you know the opposite of faith is not actually fear? I've probably preached that a hundred times. You know, there's faith and then there's fear. But fear is just really a result of the real opposite of faith. The real opposite of faith is our natural sight. Of what we see with our eyes. Because the circumstances are most time contrary to the promise of God. And that's what faith does. It says, I choose to look through the right mirror. Many of us look in the mirror at home and we see, oh, failure. Mmm, ugly. 
no good, goofy. And these are just the things I say, no. But you see yourself in a natural mirror. But James says that the Word of God should be your mirror. That you should look into to the Word of God and see a reflection of who God says that you are. You can't be who God says you are if you don't know who He says you are. Look into the Word. It says people look into the mirror of God's Word and they walk away and forget what manner of man they are. Don't do that. Endure. Be consistent to look into this Word and, to, and give God something to work with on the inner man. This is the bread of life. This is what sustains your soul. And this is what paints the inner picture of who God is calling you to be. Okay, if you just want to just go on and life is normal. But I'm calling those who want to take the faith journey. Who want to be all that God has created them to be. You can't get there looking in the wrong mirror. In Genesis 13, verse 15, God says to Abraham, I'm given all of this land. As far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. He says, as far as you can see. Now, at that time, I'm sure Abraham's looking out there, depending on how high up he is when he's looking. He might can see a mile or two. He's thinking, well, that's not much. I've already got my cows and sheep in the, ne the next mile or two. But he's not asking him to look with his natural eyes. He's saying, as far as you can see in your heart, that's what I will give you. That is a child of promise. Are you a child of promise? Are you a child of the flesh? Do you want the promises of God or just what you can eat by on your own? You want to drive in that little 14-foot John boat with the stick on the front? The rest of your life? Breaking down from point A to point B? Grease coming out your foot? God can't even get his money back on you. And God tells us to speak what we see in his word. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you begin to build it up in your heart, then you will begin to speak it. And you begin to speak it, your body begins to listen and, and begins to obey the word of God. Your life begins to change. In Romans 4, 17, in the King James, it says, As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. God talking to Abraham. Before him, him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead or makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. God, when there was nothing, said, Light be. And there was light. He calls those things which be not as though they were. You say, well, how are you telling me I'm going I'm to see myself in the Word of God and I'm just going to start saying this is who I am, but it ain't even, don't even look like me. You got to call those. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. You begin to speak it. You begin to be it. You're setting the course of your life with your words. Out of the power of the tongue comes life and death. And I am... I, I'm bad about saying what I see when I naturalize. I'm bad about it. Well, nobody came to church this Sunday. I don't know if we're going to make it. 
No. I need to speak the promise. This is the promise. I got to form it in my heart. I got to walk it out by faith because we are children of the promise. Woo. Mm. We got a faith forward. And the last one today is Abraham received the child of promise when he was 100 years old. Man, that's faith. You think, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, I got an heir now. Man, it's all behind me. I did it. I conquered. I did what God wanted me to do. It's over. I can retire now. But guess what? Abraham hadn't even got to the biggest test of his faith yet. What? It had taken him, what, 24 years to, to have the child of promise? Isn't that big enough? <laughs> Maybe you think that you've had some success and you've won some souls and that whatever, that your life is comfortable or whatever. I'm telling you right now to your face that God has bigger things from the rest of your life than he had the, the, your former day, your, 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 huh? Latter days will be greater than your former days. Thank you, thank you. It takes a church to preach these messages. I'm telling you, the best of this story that we're, we're studying about Abraham is yet to come. Next Sunday is when it's going to really get good. We're going to really talk about the test of Abraham's faith. And just as I'm telling you that next Sunday is going to be better, I'm telling you your next Sunday is going to be better. I'm telling you that the test of your faith, you ain't even got to it yet. Your best is yet to come. Look at whoever's sitting beside you and tell them, your best is yet to come. <laughs> So I got Angie them golf clubs. <laughs> but a couple weeks later, we went on vacation down to the Gulf of Mississippi. And out there on the beach, uh, I got on one knee after I'd asked her dad for permission and did everything right. And I had a one-carat diamond in my hand, and I asked her to be my wife. And we made it official. You know... I knew, even when I wasn't saved, that that was a big decision. Who you walk with the rest of your life is a huge decision. It wasn't a few years later that because of the sin in my life and the, the, the pull of the flesh and all that stuff, <clears throat> my life began to fall apart. And me and Angie were about to get a divorce just a few years later. She's the love of my life. We came to this church for marriage counseling is how I got here. And at that service, I heard about Jesus Christ. I know Jesus. I prayed my whole life. But I didn't, I wouldn't walk in the journey of faith by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't even saved, I don't believe. I certainly wasn't living like it. I'd messed my life up. I was sitting on the throne making all the mistakes. And that's why we was going for marriage counseling, because we was fixing to get a divorce. But at that service, when they told me that it was my cross that Jesus died on, all of a sudden it made sense. A light came on. And I was 32 years old. And that day, 
I made a decision to walk with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, making the decision to make Angie my wife and making the decision to walk with Jesus are the two best decisions I have ever made in my life. I tell you. You can walk alone or you can walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus is the way to go. Some of you are here today, you're probably tired. I just felt it before I came up here. I just, I was saying, God, what is it about the people? Some of you are probably tired. We're not going to drag this out, but I'd like for our ministry team to maybe come down front, those who are, that we've asked to be part of the ministry team. These are people who pray, who believe God, who have faith, who are on the faith journey and want to help you get on the faith journey. If you're tired, the sin in this world has vexed your soul, you feel your love growing cold, whatever it is going on in your life, you just, you need, you need to pray with someone. You need to, someone just to pray over you. Maybe you're so tired that you, I can't get the words out. I've been there. I've been there where it's just like, I don't know, I even know what to say. I don't even know what to say anymore. Somebody pray for me. If you need somebody to pray for you, you come up here. If you were once filled with the Holy Ghost, but you, you've closed off those doors to him now, and he's not operating in your life, and the word of God is not bringing, you're, you're not reading it, and when you do, it seems distant, come on up and pray with somebody. Let them pray over you. And you hook up together in faith. If any two on earth agree is touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done to them by our Father in heaven. If you're here today, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They will pray for you to, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. If you have sin in your life and you just want to say, God, forgive me. First John 1, 9, I confess my sin. You don't even have to go to a person. You can find a place in between them and come to the altar and lay it there and leave it there and go home cleansed. If you're here today, you say, I don't know Jesus. He's not the Lord of my life. I've been dabbling around on the banks, putting my toe in to test Jesus. But today I want to go all in. I want to become the person that he created me to be. I see that's, where, that's who I am, a child of promise. And you want to give Jesus your life. Come on down. We're just going to let the music play. As, as you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you come on down. If you just want to talk to Jesus, you just go to get on your knees and come to the altar. Uh, we're here to to uh, to love on you and to let let you know that God loves you. He's not mad at you, and He has a plan for your life. So, if you would, if if you're good and you feel like you're in a good place, then this is your opportunity to pray for those who come down and pray for those who should come down but who are afraid to come down. This is no condemnation. If you come down, this doesn't mean you're in sin. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're human. Okay? We're all human. So let's take a moment to, to let this, this, let God have his way in here for just a while. Just a moment. to the podcast today. 
We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.